Good afternoon. My name is Katie Mann, and I am the communications manager of the Sisters of St. Dominic of Blauvelt, New York. I would like to welcome you to Living Through COVID with Faith and Hope, a conversation with three Dominican sisters. This conversation is a part of Catholic Sisters Week and hosted by the Sisters of St. Dominic of Blauvelt, New York and Renew International. Just a friendly reminder that this discussion is being recorded and will be shared on our social media accounts after today. Also, if you have questions for our panelists, please submit them by using the Q&A button below. Now, I would like to turn it over to our moderator, Sister Terry Ricard, the President and Executive Director of Renew International. Welcome everyone. We're so happy that you're joining us uh, this afternoon for this really um, important and critical conversation of how do we lean on our faith and hope during this uh, time of COVID. It's over the long haul. So uh, with me are three of my sisters, three Dominican sisters, sisters for over 50 years. So they got a lot of wisdom. Um, they have, uh, they're holy, but they're very, very human. So uh, all of us are struggling during this time with our own fears and anxieties, but doing everything we can to trust in our good and gracious God. So I'd like to introduce uh, first Sister Mary Flood. Sister Mary is a physician and she uh, particularly infectious disease is her specialty. And she's also on our uh, leadership team. So great to have you with us, Sister Mary. Uh, next, I'd like to introduce Sister Maggie McDermott. Sister Maggie is the executive director of Talentine Zeiser Center in the Bronx. And it's an incredible organization that reaches out to the most vulnerable in the neighborhood, um, seniors, uh, small children. So um, just doing great ministry down there. And um, Mary, Sister Mary Ellen O'Brien, who's the president uh, of our college, Dominican College in Orangeburg. So each with their particular perspective, these are women who are professionals, leaders, and uh, what all they do is with great uh, faith and great hope. So uh, our hope is that you'll pick up something that might help you on your journey as we move together during this time of pandemic and beyond. So my first question, and I'm gonna address it to Sister Mary Flood. Sister Mary, um, we all know that this is a tough, uh, tough time for us personally. There's a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry. So just to ask you personally, how are you like leaning in or have been leaning into your faith uh, during this time? Well, Terry, as, as we sit here this afternoon um, discussing our response to the COVID crisis, it's, it's really hard for me to believe that we are living under this new way of being for over a year. Mm -hmm. you know, in many ways, I think we're forgetting what normalcy really is. Mm -hmm. Last year, I was very fearful of this disease. I feared its virulence. I feared its spread. I feared its fatality. And with my knowledge of other coronaviruses, I feared, and I still do fear, that we will not get this virus under control well enough so that we can go back to our former way of living. Now that we have some vaccines, I fear that we'll become complacent, mm -hmm. we'll let down our guard, and we can't let down our guard or we will have a resurgence. 
during this certainly very stressful year, my faith has been my anchor. And an image that um, has stayed with me and given me a lot of reassurance is a picture I saw in a magazine, uh, say last March. It's a picture of Pope Francis standing in the dark of night on the steps of St. Peter's Basilica alone. The Peter's Square is empty and it's pouring rain. And Pope Francis is praying and saying, oh God, you ask us to have faith, but our faith is weak and we are fearful. Oh God, do not leave us to the mercy of the storm. Great, thank you, Mary. I mean, we're in the storm, but we're in it together and God is with us. So thank you for that word. Um, Sister Maggie, for you, um, how are you holding on to your faith and uh, moving through this with courage? For me, um, last March 8th, when we closed down our daycare center, 141 children left our daycare. But back here where all our teachers stayed and came every day, and I was scared stiff because mm -hmm. I didn't know like what was gonna happen. Were we all gonna get sick? Will we lose our jobs? But thank God through it all, everyone here got paid and that, that made me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they came and I just trusted in God and I kept saying to myself, Lord, help us, help us, help me not to be afraid because you're with me and you're going before me. And if I'm scared stiff, picture all the people who are scared. So I tried just to lead the way. As Barbara McEnany said, raise the praise. Really? <laughs> Try to be positive and you know, not knowing what's gonna come ahead and will we survive this as an agency? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I just trusted in the Lord. And here we are today, hope better than we were this time last year. Thank Amen. God. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the, to admit our fears, we all have very human fears, but then to be able to admit them, give them over God and not be paralyzed by it, to right. act. And certainly you've been acting and very proactive. Um, I'm thinking about Sister Mary Eileen at Dominican College, talk about being proactive uh, to make sure that people are safe, the students, your, your coworkers. Um, a lot of responsibility, Sister Mary Eileen. So um, how, how did you get through or getting through this time um, leaning on your faith? Well, I, I would say that uh, probably for all of us, every day has been a different day. Every moment requires a different response. Um, it it, it uh, has not been easy. What, what was most important to all of us is that the people associated, the over 2,000 people associated with Dominican College and all their families and friends, et cetera, stay healthy and happy. So that whatever we did, uh, that was, that was uh, key. Mm -hmm. And I think as with Stamagi and Stamari, we also had concerns to make sure that an institution we believed in, a mission we believed in, uh, had a long history. So as challenges arose, when, when uh, students decided to stay home, when not as many people came to the residence center, families were concerned, they wanted to keep their children close to them, 
all of that brought up questions of sustainability and mm -hmm. how do we get through this? And, and we, from the beginning, we wanted so much, and I think Stamagy said it already, we wanted to maintain our staff uh, and, and support them. So um, from the very beginning, uh, mid-March, uh, mid uh, we as a cabinet made up the vice presidents uh, of the college and the chancellor, mm -hmm. kind of committed ourselves and it went on for three and a half months. Uh, to meet every morning because every day had a different challenge. Sure. Every aspect that college had to be looked at. So that kind of commitment to uh, constant sharing uh, our best ideas was wonderful for us, mm -hmm. wonderful for us. So, would you, the, so the college came together as a community, right? Yes, and, I mean, um, the, the, we, we closed down in terms of the students went to remote learning, Faculty were doing that, uh, mm -hmm. um, teaching remotely. But what we did as administrators was try to gather as much as we could mm -hmm. uh, regarding the concerns, the challenges. And we met from like 10 to 12.30, almost mm -hmm. every day between mid-March until mid-June. So that I think was very, very important. Um, an In image terms of your own personal um, is there an image or a faith image that you kind of held on to during this time and continue to? I mean, we're not done. Yeah. Well, the, the image, the parable of the vine and the branches, because what you realize very quickly, no one could do this by themselves. No small group could do it by themselves. So it was very, very important to broaden out to as many people, mm -hmm. uh, all of whom could share their gifts and, and, uh, uh, I, I know the, the Pope's book on fraternity and social friendship, he reminded us that, that it, you can't just, even if, if two or three people wanted to work at Dominic Knowledge, that wouldn't work. But the world, the global picture is not going to work until everybody does their very best mm -hmm. and, and, and gets behind it. So that unity of purpose, that need for support of one another, that dependence on the vine, um, it, mm -hmm. it became very important to me. Yeah, and right. uh, very blessed to have lots of wonderful branches uh, <laughs> to work with. Yeah, I mean, here's this time of, uh, we have this virus and we have to distance socially, but it doesn't mean that we needed to distance uh, spiritually or emotionally. So right. we're human and, beings, and right? We need each other. Yes, right? and one of the wise things that that we did from the very beginning was to, to uh, form a coordinating committee uh, mm -hmm. with a positive thrust, a coordinating committee to help us reopen the campus. That mm -hmm. was the purpose. That committee was made up of about seven people, key people in student life, human mm -hmm. resources, health services, and they met very, very frequently. They communicated uh, to the other constituents of the college. And uh, mm -hmm. as we've gone through the year, we've and another different area would arise, we've added another person or two. So yeah, working right. Right. So all the different gifts kind of working together. Absolutely. How about Maggie, how about you in terms of um, how did you help each other at your staff? Um, how did you, your coworkers, can you say something about how you helped each other move through this? 
Is that me, Terry? Yes, that's you, Sister oh, Matt. Okay. <laughs> I, I just wanted to um, mention that 10468 is my zip code, and it's one of the highest rate of COVID in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. So that's where I was working and living with 42 other staff members from last March to now. Our staff also came in every day, most of them, to use the computer, to make phone calls to the family, to do remote learning, mm -hmm. to give out food, any needs the parents had, we told them to come here. We're here from 7.30 to 3.30. And that, that was a big help to the families that we service. Um, one of our staff members during this time, her husband had a brain tumor and she was so scared because of, if I get sick, sister, what's going to happen to my husband? I, I can't bring it to him. Mm -hmm. But everybody here was very supportive of her, mm -hmm. helped her to accept this cross that she had. Wow. And I had the sisters praying yeah. like crazy for him. <laughs> He's doing very good now. He's doing well. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. And um, so the power, the power of prayer. The power of prayer. And, yeah. and everybody, of, again, the power of all the staff and the families that we service working together because a lot of our parents lost their jobs sure. and they didn't have internet even for the children that we serve but for older ones they didn't have devices so we were trying to get devices for the children but it all worked out for the best yeah and we continue right yep. so Still let, me turn, Mary, let me turn to sister mary flood um you know, Mary, you have really cared for our sisters um, in the mother house on the infirmary floor. And we know how vulnerable uh, people who live, they call it congregate living, we call it community living. Um, and our sisters are older and, and many of them frail. So um, that's, that's a, you've done a fabulous job and we're really uh, grateful to you for that. Um, how did, how, oh, and you continue getting through it. Um, so, can you speak to that and that really tremendous weight uh, on you, particularly in March, but I know you're still carrying that, so. Thank you. Um, well, Terry, as member of the leadership team with responsibility for the mother house, and I have to admit the self-appointed. <laughs> COVID's uh, are. <laughs> I, I worked uh, early on with our administrator and staff to set up protocols to protect our sisters. I mean, mm -hmm. these are the basic protocols that we saw everywhere. Signs about face masks, hand washing, sanitizing. Um, we restricted visitors from the outside. We limited um, visiting to our sisters mm -hmm. on the home care floor. We had to stop our socialization activities and our sisters on the home care floor had to eat in their rooms. Mm -hmm. uh, we instituted protocols for uh, safer distribution of the food in the dining area. Uh, we had to instruct and monitor the housekeeping staff um, so they would sanitize and clean well the areas that were potential sources of mm -hmm. contamination. Um, and we set up a quarantine area for our sisters who became ill. So, you know, all of those were, um, in a certain sense, the easier part of the task. They were mm -hmm. pretty much standard uh, jobs that we had to do. But um, I have to say that as a physician and director, medical director of our home care floor, it was truly prayer and the support of our sisters that helped me through this period. 
Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we had 11 sisters at the mother house who became infected with the virus. And last year at the height of the pandemic, when our hospitals were overwhelmed with cases, we knew that our sisters who were advanced in years, many with comorbidities and some with dementia would not get priority care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in consultation with our very experienced head nurse and our healthcare coordinator, we made the decision not to send our sisters out to the hospital if at all possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Try to care for them at home, even if they're in comfort care, so they would not die alone in an isolation unit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that it, it, every day I prayed for the guidance of the spirit that mm-hmm. the decision uh, on behalf of the care of our sisters was, was the right decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say you know, in much gratitude to God that we got through this period with no sisters being hospitalized and no one dying from COVID. Unfortunately, we did have one sister who died in December from the COVID virus. Mm-hmm. But I tell our sisters that we have to um, thank God for our congregation was really blessed during this time. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that there are many congregations. Oh, they got hit hard. Yeah. Excellent protocols in place. And yet they lost many sisters to the virus. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we are to be grateful for what we got through. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. Yeah. And I, I think too, like uh, some of the sisters said to me, you were able to continue um, having mass, which a lot of people were deprived of that. So that was another great uh, strength and, and blessing um, yeah. that could it continue really was to the sisters, yeah. right? It really was. At least, uh, yeah. Yeah. So many of them have spoken to me about that. It was a great, and they knew that a lot of other people and other convents did not have uh, mass and were able to receive the Eucharist. So um, I know many of them spoke about what a great gift that was uh, for them. We fortunate the Oratorian Fathers who service us were willing to come in to offer mm-hmm. mass. Our chapel is large, so we were able to appropriately social distance mm-hmm. and we could televise the liturgy to our sisters who were upstairs and it really meant a lot to all of them. Sure, sure. Thank you for that. Um, According to a a recent Pew study, they did a great study on the effect of faith and dealing with the pandemic. So uh, 35% of people of faith said they learned at least two lessons from God during this and lessons they feel are life spiritual lessons that can help them not only now, but beyond um, the pandemic. So I'm gonna ask Sister Mary Eileen O'Brien, how about a lesson that you've learned um, from God during this time that um, you think you want to carry with you as we move through your life, as you move through your life? Well, what what came to me was um, a, an ongoing development of, of, of confidence. Um, confidence in God and confidence in the people with whom I worked. Um, one of my favorite scripture saying always has been, I have come from John. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Mm-hmm. That's kind of very connected to my image of Jesus and God. And I, I called on that again. But what I discovered across the board, because everyone has their limitations, but when you work so very closely together on on issues that are so big, the uh, the potential that the 
people I was working with became so evident. I remember right now we're, we're, we're trying to begin to plan for commencement in June of 2021. Well, last, last um, March, April, I mean, there was no way. Mm-hmm. And someone said, well, uh, uh, well, you, you can do it all on, you know, uh, through the computer and-, and uh, Virtual, yeah. Uh, and I said to myself, there is no way. How in heaven's name could you put a, a commencement? And yet we talked to a few people and they knew a few other people. And, and the result, not what we wanted, not what the students really wanted. They wanted the face-to-face. Sure. They wanted the applause as they walked across sure. the stage. But it was a wonderful accomplishment. And that kind of thing happened very frequently. So when I say uh, what I've learned and I hope I'll, I'll keep is that which I've always treasured is certain confidence in my God and and good reason for that. Uh, And increasingly wonderful confidence in the people I'm blessed to work with. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think, uh, you know, and, and, and the other attitude, there is no one who has not been affected by this virus, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, Meg is working with, uh, with people and children. Uh, we have staff who, who are taking care of children are now at home. So it seems to me, as you have the opportunity to talk to people, you should never be saying, oh, poor me. Because mm-hmm. everyone has been hit and everyone has had to uh, take on more and, and as a result be a little more stressful than they would like to be. Yeah, so, the interesting um, thing is, no matter where you are, it's exactly. Some people, you know, if they've lost their job, affects more. But I I was talking to a a psychologist. We did a webinar on, um, you know, dealing with stress during the pandemic. And he said, everyone is out about a seven. You know, it's like one to 10. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) I believe that. I really do. And then we have our own usual stuff, you know, and how easy it is to fly off the handle, to feel overwhelmed. So we need to give ourselves a break. And we need to give each other a break during this time. So it's, uh, yeah, it's part of our global, not just us or our country or, but the world. Um, and we need to be conscious of that. Let me ask you, uh, Sister Mary, how about a, a lesson maybe from God that you want to hold on to and carry forward? You know, Terry, in, in recent years, there have been several studies that have shown the beneficial effect of of prayer or spirituality in the health crisis. Mm -hmm. So the findings in the Pew study were really not um, surprising to me. You know, it's what I would have expected. Um, But for me, um, the pandemic has made me look beyond this world to the world beyond for meaning and hope. Uh, It's also put me in touch with uh, my mortality and, you know, Mm -hmm. fragility, as I've seen so many younger people yeah. have good health succumb to this virus. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that uh, reality of just take each day and accept each day as a blessing because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. Exactly. And I really think that um, our interaction with all of our staff and various people really brought home to me the gospel message of how we must care for each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a funny thing. I, I, because most of the people that have really died from it, but not all, as you know, all different ages, we're older, sickly. So, you know, March, April, 
I thought, I'm not really worrying about this. I'm more worrying about others that I know who are more fragile. I live with Sister Honora, who's older, uh, but strong. I better say that or so I'll be in trouble. But uh, I didn't want to bring it home to her. But I remember one night, um, I wake up, I'm like in a sweat. And I had a terrible dream that I died of COVID, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I remember waking up that morning and saying, I guess I'm more anxious about this than I thought. Yeah. I, so that whole thing of um, dealing with our own death and, and how fragile, I experienced that too. But so it's good to be aware of it because when we push down our anxiety, all sorts of bad things happen physically, right? right. As well as emotionally. Um, so to recognize that no one, this is a scary thing and is a scary thing. And then to be able to, to articulate that about our own personal, and then obviously in our ministries where we work, our families. So um, how about you, Sister Maggie? What's, a, what's a, a lesson that you've learned and you wanna bring forward? I learned a lot about the staff that I work with and I've been working with a lot of them for many years, but I saw another side of them during this pandemic and how we really got closer because we were more dependent on each other. Some of them needed different things to help them out. And we always tried to be there for them and help them. And I think that we're more alike than different. Mm -hmm. Everybody, mm -hmm. everyone used to say, sister, I'm praying so hard or whatever. And I'd say, that's good. That's what we're all doing. You know, what can I do? So a lesson I learned was that we're more alike than different. Great, great. Most of us, we all had the same anxiety. It might have been a nine and not a seven, but personality, right? No. And if you and you're trying to stay calm, that was another thing. God, please keep me calm because you could lose your mind. Yeah. People mm -hmm. trying to get help people. But uh, that was a lesson I learned and a deeper trust in the Lord and really mean it when you say when I say, Lord, please help me to trust more deeply in you. And I, I see many people that are doing the same thing as I am. And it makes me feel good. A sense of community and mm -hmm. friendship and family. Some of them have said, Sister, thank you. This is like a family, you know? So it makes me feel good. Yeah, I mean, you see the, all the healthcare heroes or even the hero, the people who um, kept the stores open and yeah. so many neighbors who brought food to others or... And you see that now even with the vaccine um, in my own town in New Providence, the students there are, I think they're called vaccine hunters, you know, trying oh, to help elderly, it's a club, <laughs> and they're trying to help elderly people in the community who don't have the, the, the skills to get on the computer every five minutes to yeah. try to get a vaccine, you know. Uh, so one of our staff here, Yanili, she was on that computer trying to get everybody around here appointments mm -hmm. they don't they went down to yankee stadium oh, so really and now they're open 24 hours a day there yeah and well, that, that's a bit of hope right things yeah. are starting to open up a little bit great. yeah so I, I think you know we get we can get so down and negative about the world and what's happening in the country and the church and then you see these great people uh, stepping up. So um, we're saints and sinners, right? And, uh, but there's, uh, there's a lot of people moving beyond themselves 
and helping others and doing things that saints do, helping their neighbor. So um, one of the things that the title of this is, is finding faith and hope during this time of COVID. And we got a message, uh, a question from a gentleman that said, how do I have hope over the long haul? I mean, you know, this thing is just over a year. Who would have thought? I mean, when we closed our office here at Renew, I thought it was going to be two weeks. I said to him, oh, don't worry, we'll be back in two weeks. Well, three months later, you know, <laughs> um, and now we're, we're back in the office, but we're still being careful and doing all the protocols. Um, so uh, there are a lot of people out there. We have um, over 300 people that have joined us today. So obviously this webinar touched them in a certain way. You know, they're trying, each one of them, to try to lean on their faith and, and find some hope. So what would be a message um, that, of hope that you could um, speak to our, our audience today that might help them, or even a practice that you might have? Um, it could be anyone who would like to start. Um, Terry, I yeah, think great. a great message of hope are these three vaccines. I think that has given people hope when they go down, they'll come back and say, oh, I got my first shot. I'm so excited. Well, you know, I think that has given people a lot of hope. Mm -hmm. And also seeing the trains are starting to be crowded, the buses are crowded, more traffic. These people see the world coming back to the world we knew and loved. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very important as a way of hope. Seeing a, li a little light. Yes. But I know Sister Mary over there is thinking, be careful, though. Don't get too confident. <laughs> <laughs> we know, we know, we know. We're going to be careful, but we're going to, you know, hope for uh, that little bit of light, right? So, uh, it's coming, Terry. It's coming. It's coming. Please, God. Um, they, the, the experts are saying that, you know, the number of cases or the increased cases in March may be uh, from the variants. So we do have to be careful. We will definitely be careful. But yeah. you know what's interesting? Even in the midst of that, and even if the thing, we have a fourth wave, we still want to be people of faith and hope. It's yeah. not dependent yeah. on how the virus goes or, but that we believe deep in ourselves that God's going to get us through this and with each other as a community of faith. Um, a lot of people were, you know, I'm in the, the parish business and at Renew and, you know, a lot of people will, priests are saying, will people come back um, yeah. after the pandemic, you know? So I think we got to hope, we got to pray and we have to act. We have to invite people. We have to bring, have something for people to be come back for, right? So I see Katie coming on. Uh, I don't know, maybe Mary Eileen O'Brien, Sister Mary Eileen wants to have a last word before we entertain some questions. How's that, Katie? Is that okay? Let's say that, um, okay. The I, one of the things that, that has struck me often, I've, I've said it hits everyone. Um, it, it puts an extra stress on everyone. We become more appreciative of other people. I think we ourselves, have to be as flexible as we can. Mm -hmm. It has seemed to me that, that it's important to keep what you hope for, your goals, but whatever you're involved in because of the great unknown or the things that happen day after day that never happened before, you've got to be able to change on a dime. Oh. So uh, um, I've always read, you know, you, you, you should try to get a good 
night's sleep, do a little exercise, remember to pray. We've got to still do that. Yeah. But maybe we do it in a different way. I used to, um, as, as being part of the college, I'd have to go to a lot of meetings in the evening and planning sessions with outside, et cetera. That's gone. Well, now I go to bed early. Yeah, get more sleep. <laughs> I don't get more sleep, but I go to bed early because I then get up refreshed and have time for prayer and have time for planning. So I think in my own life, it's been very important to be flexible and yeah. to continue to be appreciative of the students and the faculty and, and all the and, folks that and have, be resilient. have done so much. Yeah, and be yeah. resilient. But I, I think, Miranda, that whole thing about getting a routine, every morning, seven o'clock, I do my exercise. I do the Zoom, <laughs> do Zoom, or now I'm actually back in the gym. So uh, whatever you have to do, you have to reinvent those kinds of things so that you have those good routines. Mm -hmm. So, Katie, do we have some questions? Is that... Uh... Hi, Sister Terry. Yes, we yeah. do. But before we get to the questions, I'd like to recognize Sister Valentine, who was tuning in to today's webinar from South Africa. She says oh, hello, okay. and we say hello back hello. to her in South oh, Africa. Hello, Valentine. Hello. <laughs> yeah, that's what's so great about Zoom, right? You have people, and, and listen, I've been praying for South Africa. We, we do, we have renewed Africa in South Africa. They've been hit really hard. So to all those, to Val Sister Valentine, the sisters there, we send our our, our prayers and um, and our hope. So great. So the first question is for Sister Mary Flood. And what what are the most significant ways that community life has been affected by the pandemic? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Katie, I didn't hear that. Could you repeat that? What? I said, what are the most significant ways that community life has been impacted by the pandemic? I, I think that um, probably what has affected most of us is a sense of isolation. Yeah. Um, you know, because uh, people, we worked hard to put into practice a lot of socialization events, particularly for our elderly sisters on the home care floor. And then all of a sudden we stopped them and everybody was uh, relegated to her room. So that type of isolationism, I think, has been very, very hard for our sisters. Um, as we mentioned earlier, we were fortunate, and I think uh, more so than many other congregations, insofar as we were able to have our to have liturgy. You know, having the daily liturgy and sisters able to participate meant a lot. And I think for communities that didn't have that, they have felt that very, very stressful. So those who would be um, I, I think those would be the key things that I would see as, as difficulties uh, during this pandemic time. You know, Mary, I'm thinking about our whole community gathering and, you know, we have older, you know, we're all the congregation and people went to Zoom. So um, if you want a good laugh, we'd let you tune into one of our Zoom meetings, you know, so <laughs> Hey, Mary Lee, people, or they're, uh, you know, combing their hair. They don't know that we all can see them. So our mm -hmm. sisters, we're talking about 90 year olds, right, Mary? And that have participated in our congregational meetings. I don't think we could have ever imagined that it was possible. So I think people they'll miss the opportunity to be together. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they really do, you know. And I oh, I miss it. I miss it. Right. Yeah. 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 That connectedness means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But at least the Zoom has given us a way yes. to at least see each other and talk. Um, mm -hmm. I started with some of my friends from high school 
during the worst of the thing when everything was shut down, um, doing a happy holy hour, you know, a glass of wine and we shared and we're continuing to do that, even though we're back, world back working and things like that. So these kinds of things can continue, especially when we're at a distance from each other. How about Kate, you have another question? I do. And this question goes to Sister Maggie McDermott. Okay. During the toughest days of the pandemic, how did your staff manage and how have your students and families been directly impacted by the pandemic? Well, the way the uh, students have been directly impacted by this pandemic is there's no daycare for them to come to. It's open now. We opened up in August, but from March to August, the daycare was completely closed and any parents who needed the services, we were not offering them. We opened up in August and we started out with 10 children and we closed with 141. Wow. Yesterday, we gave, we served lunch to 48 children. So I was like so happy because at least we're going up. Maggie, and I would say a lot of the folks uh, that are putting their children to your daycare, a lot of them are um, AIDS, health AIDS yes. and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. They're not working, they can't work in home using Zoom, you know what oh. I mean? So this oh. is the loss of their livelihood yeah. because they have to take care of their children. Is that? That's right. That's, yeah. that's why they, they bring them here so that they can work a number of hours work across Fordham, like in different uh, supermarkets. And those people mm -hmm. really service the community during this. And mm -hmm. I believe that the service we had was being open to them to come and just talk to us and you'll know, use the computer, use the internet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's just really important to realize that everybody doesn't have a job that they can work from home oh. and Zoom yeah. or the other part is the internet, you know? Yes. Yeah. How about another one there, Kate? Sure. This question <laughs> goes to Sister Mary Eileen. Post-pandemic, how do you believe your personal, professional, and spiritual life will be different? Well, I will try to take seriously some of the things I said before. <laughs> try to get into a pattern of exercise and making sure, uh, listen to a, a, a talk by Simone Campbell the other day. She was saying the day that she doesn't have time for prayer in the morning is the day just doesn't work out as she had hoped. So I think the opportunity that we've had to, to look at our own lives and our own spiritual lives, et cetera, to make sure that that which is important to us maintains its importance and we give it good attention. Um, what else? That's how I answer now. <laughs> on, a, on a professional level, I mean, I think as, as we're moving back, we have many more students coming to class and we didn't have any athletic programs in the fall. Uh, we, we've done that and we have 17 teams. So now all of the fall teams and the spring teams are, are somehow playing between now and May. Um, and, and doing reasonably well. But all of this brings challenges. So um, I, I would hope to, to remember what I think is very important, that we should be flexible, mm -hmm. that we look at things, that we talk to people. And not, not every answer is black and white. 
and we have to in our own lives and in dealing with others be as flexible as possible but not lose the hopes and aspirations that we have in working with each other. Thank you, Sister Mary Eileen. Our next question goes to Sister Maggie. How do you fulfill the congregation mission best during the pandemic? What was that? What I said, was how do you best fulfill the congregation mission during the pandemic? Well, I think I have uh, fulfilled it by serving the people, serving the people that I believe and love every single day and supporting them as best way I can. And it was something that Mary Eileen said, I personally, I missed seeing my community and visiting my friends up in Bloorville. That's part of my mission too. Um, I don't know what else to say. No, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And our next question actually goes to Sister Mary Eileen again. What are some tips that you could give to folks who are on this webinar today about managing stress and being in touch with your faith during the pandemic and during these hectic times? Well, um, I, I think as busy as we get, it's more important than ever to take time, to take time to situate yourself, to take time to, to, to come in touch with what you really believe in. I was thinking when Maggie was talking and, and uh, the things that we miss, uh, probably uh, I, one of the, I probably made more telephone calls than I'm, I've ever done before. Cause I said, these people that I'd love to see if I can't, well, at least we can talk. And um, so, so uh, as I go forward, um, don't lose that, need for time to reflect and also um, in dealing with stress, be honest with the people with whom and for whom you're working and, um, and try to do some of those natural things like get a decent amount of sleep and maybe a little exercise and, and get up with a, a sense of hope every day. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm thinking that's a good question, this tip, and maybe you could ask, uh, Mary Flood and, and Maggie also, Sister Mary, how, how about what's a tip you would give uh, people in terms of, you know, Mary gave a great one, Mary Eileen, about taking more time for reflection and quiet and what would you can help people through the long haul here? Yeah, I, I think the pandemic has um, put us all on a different speed. And I think that has been very beneficial as Mary Eileen has mm -hmm. said. I think it's forced all of us to slow down and take time to reflect and, and look at what are the priorities in our life. So um, I would say that, you know, that is definitely an important thing. Um, it slowed us down and we don't have to be involved perhaps in as many things as we think we do. And I think being on Zoom for many of our meetings has been a big help in terms of saving time for us. Mm -hmm. um, I guess from the health perspective, uh, what would I say would be a tip? Well, I think we also have to be very careful about this virus. It's not gone yet. Mm -hmm. um, we have to pay attention. Um, and let's just, uh, we always have to continue to reach out and help others. You know, one thing that the pandemic has done is that it, um, it has kind of opened our eyes to a lot of the disparities that are around mm -hmm. us. 
you know, mm -hmm. particularly to uh, not only to racial injustice, but to disparities of income, availability of access to health care and other basic services. So um, I think we have to think about how we can do it better. You know, even though it's a pandemic is a kind of an unusual time for creative visioning, but I think that's what we're challenged to do, mm -hmm. to really mm -hmm. to think creatively. And once we can recognize and acknowledge um, how profoundly we are joined together globally and with our God, then we can really begin to hope, I think. Great. How about you, Maggie? You got a tip for people? Of oh, for stress, I think that um, watch what you eat because you gain weight. That's a big thing for me. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's a hard thing. But also the exercise and just, just praying, just to, to have more time to prayer. And I find in my own life personally, I have more time alone because I'm really living alone now. And I never did before. And I'm learning how to live with myself. And I think that is another thing that helps with stress, accepting yourself and getting to know yourself better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. I, for me, I think this whole thing of gratitude and each one of you have expressed that gratitude, no matter what situation we're in, we can find things that we're grateful to God and to others. So every day getting up, thank you, God, even amid the pandemic, even amid all the other stuff going in our life, thank you for the gift of life and for the people in our lives. So I think that attitude of gratitude can help us anytime, but particularly in a high stress time. And thank you for that, Sister Terry. And we have time for one final one question. One more question. <laughs> which is a medical question that will go to the infectious <laughs> disease doctor on the webinar. So Sister Mary, many, many people are beginning to get the vaccine and have the question for, uh, for you. Once vaccinated, are there any guidelines you would suggest to continuing to wear masks or social distancing? Or when do you think we will reach herd immunity as many people hear on the news often about? I don't believe that we will reach um, adequate herd immunity till certainly the end of this year. Um, we have three vaccines. Um, we don't know how effective the vaccines are in the long term. You know, because they've all been in clinical trials for a short period. We also don't know how effective these vaccines are going to be against the new variants that are coming on to scene. So we can't let our guard down. We really have to continue, you know, wearing the mask and social distancing and taking precautions. You know, uh, as someone last night said on the TV, we're almost there. We're almost there. Um, we have about you know a considerable number of people have been vaccinated, and um, vaccinating people in addition to those who have had the virus brings us to this herd immunity. But it's, I don't believe that we're going to get adequate herd immunity till easily the end of this this year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. I'm just thinking, you know, I guess the White House has Dr. Fauci. And uh, the sisters, we have Sister Mary, Dr. Mary, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, we're very grateful. Yeah, we're very grateful for her. So, and for all the sisters here. Are, so are we ready to, to move from there? Um, 
We are. I first would like to thank everybody who submitted a question. I know that there were some people's questions that we didn't get to. And if anybody would like to ask any of the panelists a question, they could submit it by visiting our congregation Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash OPLawVeld. Um, now with that said, I'd like to turn it over to Sister Terry for closing remarks. Okay, great. So we just want to thank everyone for participating and uh, taking the time to enter in this conversation with us. We, we hope that you got some tips that give you a greatest uh, deep in your faith a bit, give you some practices to help you get through um, this pandemic over the long haul. Um, just say a word, this was co-sponsored by Renew International and uh, we have all sorts of events and webinars similar to this. So we just ask you um, renewintl.org, go to our uh, events and web um, page and there are face sharing groups, uh, other uh, webinars similar to this that hopefully will bolster uh, your faith. We also have all sorts of different face sharing books. Our latest one is on dignity and the death penalty. And we have reflections from Sister Helen Prejean. So um, just invite you to take a look at that. And then the next slide, um, we're all Dominican sisters of Blauvelt, New York. And uh, we just appreciate you supporting us, particularly during this time. So there's different ways to give. You can donate online. We have that there, www.opblowbelt.org. Um, you can also send a donation by mail and uh, or also contact our development office. So, so many of you are already supporters of our congregation. Um, we thank you so much for that and um, we'll put it to good use. So thank you for that. <laughs> So now what I'd like to do is um, just bring it all together in prayer and ask God to bless each one of you. So many of you have been had, had COVID and sick with it, have some repercussions, continuing signs. Um, I know some of you are, have lost loved ones. So we bring you before our God as God's healing love touches you during your time of grief and just pray that uh, that vaccine becomes available to everyone. So those who are looking for a vaccine, we're also praying that that door opens uh, for each one of you. So with all that in mind, we'll just take a moment of quiet and then uh, I'll pray this prayer uh, in your name and for all of us. Lord Jesus Christ, we pray for your healing touch during this pandemic. We, we ask you to accompany those in our small groups, our parishes, our communities, our nation, and throughout the world who are impacted by the virus through infection, economic loss, or anxiety. Renew our faith in your promise to be with us always. Keep us mindful, Lord, that we share in this crisis as, as a family of faith, and we are asked to do all we can to prevent the spread of infection. We do for good all. May we be patient and generous with each other, following your example. You who live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So from all of us, all the Dominicans <coughs> for Blauvelt and Katie, uh, we just wish you blessings and uh, that you have a greater trust and a sense of hope as you move forward. We move forward together during this pandemic and beyond. So God bless. Thank you. Bye now. Thank you. Thank you.